Welcome to the First Baptist Church podcast from First Baptist Church in Navasota, Texas. For more information, visit fbcnavasota.org. Guys, there there are um, there are times that you get you get the opportunity to, to do things and talk to people about things that are pretty doggone exciting. And uh, I have that chance to share with you, and I want to I want to go ahead and and introduce to some of you for the very first time, uh, Jimmy and Natalie Bunch. They have come back from England and uh, are here. They are going they are going to be here until January, if that's right, long about then. And then we're looking at probably uh, relocating probably to continental Europe, and uh, I've asked Jimmy to just come by and tell us a little bit about it. Some of y'all don't know Jimmy and Natalie. Natalie is up in the balcony, so everybody stand for just a minute. <coughs> stand up, people. This is your exercise. And her, her, they have a brand new little baby that Marcia is coveting over there and not letting anybody. We're not going to do the Michael Jackson thing and hold it over the railing, no. But there it is, everybody, there's Theo right there. Hi, Theo, wave at Theo. <clears throat> Did you notice since he was born in England, he is now doing the queen wave like this, you know? All right. And, and they are really cool folks. I hope you get to know them while they're here on furlough. Jimmy, come up and share with us a few minutes about what's going on. <clears throat> it, it truly is great to be here. Um, I was thinking through this a little bit this morning, just kind of gathering my thoughts and realized it was 12 years ago, roughly, give or take a few months, that Natalie left from here to move to Prague, Czech Republic. Uh, she was moving as a journeyman with the International Mission Board. And it was during her time in Czech Republic that, that we met, and then uh, we moved back here in 2009, and, uh, sorry, we moved here in 2009, I showed up at this church one day, and, and Clyde so graciously, in the middle of, of welcoming or something, just kind of points straight out and says, I know you. It's actually a, a memory I, I carry with me from my first time in Navasota. Uh, but since then, actually, this church has been such a partner and such a support for us. In the 10 minutes that we've been here, or 15 minutes we've been here this morning, so many people have come up to us to just give us hugs, to say, we're praying for you. We love you. We're so glad you're here. And truly, it is refreshing to be here especially under the circumstances that we're here. Um, so we haven't had an opportunity to be with you guys for almost four and a half years, maybe even a little bit longer. Uh, and here we are now back in the U.S., and uh, we are in a time of transition. We have been serving in uh, just outside of London and in London for the past four and a half years and have seen God do amazing things. In a city where money and career success kind of drives your everyday we have seen people come to know Christ. We've seen people come to say, I want to serve a God who is, is so much greater than money and let this go, whatever that may mean. And we've seen lives changed. And so we praise God. And over the course of the next few months that we're around, I'd love to share those stories with you guys. But right now we're in a transition because about uh, eight months ago, a conversation started about uh, the possibility of us moving to somewhere else. And we've, we've walked through that. And then by God's providence, he made sure that we moved uh, and that he closed several doors related to our visa and our ability to stay in the UK. And so as of uh, last uh, week, we moved away and packed up all our things 
uh, for the time being never to return to the UK. And so we are, we are waiting approval to move to the Czech Republic, uh, to move back to Prague, where we'll be starting a new venture, continuing in media, continuing with the International Mission Board. But I just wanted to share a bit of encouragement right now that, I, that we are holding on to, and uh, I hope it's something that's encouraging for you as well. In the Gospel of Mark, uh, chapter 4, there's this beautiful account of how Jesus and some of his disciples get in a boat. They go out to cross the lake, and in the middle of the night, Jesus is asleep, and the storm just rages up. And the, the disciples and those in the boat are just scared. They're scared to death. And they, they literally say, it's in, uh, in verse 38, he says, Teacher, do you not care that we, if we drown? And Jesus stands up. He gets up. He rebuked the wind, and he said to the waves, Quiet, be still. And there's this beautiful picture of this is a God who is Lord over nature. And this harkens back to the book of Psalms where it says of God that he is master of all creation. And I was reading this story actually to our son Theodore. We read from a, a children's Bible every week or every day with him. And I read this story just a couple days ago and was reminded that, that we serve a God who is God over all of creation. That the seemingly petty things that we face where we have to move home and we have to leave someplace that we've loved and friends and, and a place that has become family. And then that is a real thing, but at the same time, our God is so much bigger, and he's going to take care of us. And so while it, it, it is hard, while we do mourn and grieve, and uh, we're grateful for a time of transition, and to be with family and friends through that, our God is so much bigger. And so I, I praise you with him today uh, as we have this opportunity to worship him. We would love to get to uh, share more with you guys over the next few months, like uh, Clyde shared. We'll be around through uh, the end of this year. Um, so please find us, let's chat, let's connect. Uh, we would love to share. Thanks, Jimmy. So when I pointed Jimmy out and I said, I know you, they're, they're, they're really, a, I had the privilege of marrying them here in our church. And uh, it was really it was really one of the neatest marriage ceremonies that I got to officiate. And, and they really were in, you need to sit down with Natalie. Don't listen to Jimmy, but ask Natalie how God brought a girl that is in Prague, Czech Republic, with a guy that is outside of Metro Moscow. And he's serving there, and she's serving in the Czech Republic, and how they met, how he won her heart, and guys, listen, that is exactly how it happened. He had to win her heart, and she was a prize, and God, God uh, delivered that. And then you need to see, and if you really are nice to them and ask politely, they will show you a video of a happy birthday video. Do you all still have that thing? It is so cool. We ought to run it on a Sunday here just to be able they it, it was great. I want you to get to know them because look, Kelsey and and Natalie and Jimmy are bringing the gospel half a world away from Navasota, Texas. <clears throat> Every November we put flags all around our sanctuary. These flags are not just decorations for the holiday season. They're actually there to remind us that each flag represents 
a person from this church that went to that country and had an impact. And guys, you'll see the flag of the United Kingdom this, this year. And on the, the top of that flag, we have put the initials for the safety of folks that still are on the field. We put the initials of the people that, uh, that are there. You'll see the Czech Republic flag. It hangs basically on that railing up there about, about where Joe King is down. You'll see that, and it, it, will, it won't have NB for Natalie Bunch because she wasn't a bunch at the time. Uh, if they continue on making more and more babies, there will be a bunch, okay? But uh, Natalie, Natalie was in the Czech Republic, and we have the flag of, of the USSR and of Russia as well. And those are going. Those have the the name. Of, well, they have JB for Jimmy Bunch, who served the Lord there, and now they have the chance to do it uh, together to bring God glory. My hope and prayer is that you'll get to know them during this special time. Guys, I I want to share with you a few minutes this morning <coughs> about um, about making this your last day making the most of your last day. Um, <laughs> the closer you get to your last day, Sam, the more it means to you. Amen? Um, your last day, is it today? Well, heck, nobody knows that for sure. But the Lord does. So let me ask you a question. This isn't rhetorical. <clears throat> if this were the last day that you have on earth, if this was your last day on earth, what would you do today? What would you do today if you knew that you had from sunup till sunup and it was the last day you were ever going to be on earth, what would you do? Now we asked this in a, in a, in a sermon a, a, a while ago, but it was in a little bit different context. So I want to ask you all, what would you do if it were your last day? What would you do? And I need three people to say, this is what I would do. And so since I picked on Jimmy and pointed him out, I'm going to pick on Sean Witherwax. This is your last day on earth. What are you going to do? I'll come back to you, Sean. All right? <laughs> last day on earth. Sam, what would you do? Second Sam, not first Sam. Second Samuel, what would you do? All right. So you'd be busy. That's a joke, folks. Think about it. All right, never mind. Ginger, what would you do? They make great videos in their family. If you haven't seen them, you need to. Okay, back at you there, Wax. What would you do? Cool. All right. Guys, if this were your last day, 
there's several. This was actually a question that was posed out of the universe, out of Stanford University, where they said, "What is the value system?" It was a sociology uh, project for a PhD candidate, and he ended up asking the question: If you had 24 hours left in your life, what would you do? And these were the top three things that came up. These things. First of all to try everything that you were afraid to try. <clears throat> try everything you were afraid to. I'm not talking about illegal drugs here, or at least I don't think that's what. But, but thinking about, for some of you all, some of you all have said, would I ever put a parachute off on my back and jump out of a perfectly good airplane, okay? And most of you are going, you know what, just don't want to do that. It is a blast. It's a blast. You need to do that. If it, Try things that you were afraid to try if you thought you had another 50 years to go. Second thing, this kind of goes to what, Samuel, this goes to what you and Sean both said. Visit or contact important people in your life. They wanted to visit or contact people. Ginger, this is kind of right up your alley too. Find the people that matter to you and spend time with them. The last one was an absolute eye-opener to this PhD candidate because the last one said, get things right. Samuel, this is right where you are. This is in your the sweet spot of your swing. Get things right with folks and with God. Now this was actually a study that was done in 1998. Our culture has changed vastly from 1998 and the 20 years to 2018. There are things that are done now that are absolutely shameful that are done in public. If you haven't noticed the last few days, it's been all over the news. Guys, I'm going to share with you that if this were your last day, God would want you to make the most of your last day. And Jesus taught a parable about this very thing to folks that had gathered around Him and were trying to figure out the value of life, the value of things, and making the most of every day that God gives you and me. By the way, and I've shared this before, God knows exactly when and where you will be in your life when He takes you home. He knows that. And barring the fact that Christ, who will return, and you are alive during that time. Guys, listen. If you weren't alive when Jesus was on earth before, if you're alive when Jesus... And I think you guys right here will be alive when Jesus comes back. I really believe that. Sam is convinced he will be alive when Jesus comes back. So it's soon, okay? Think about it. It's a joke, folks. It's okay to laugh, all right? It's, thank you, it's soon. With that, guys, think about this. If you're alive when Jesus comes back, you don't face death, you don't end up facing the corruption of the flesh, whatever you want to call it. But if you do not make it to that day, if today were the last day, then you have both choices and chances. And in Luke's, in Luke's Gospel, chapter 16, Jesus begins this teaching about this very thing. I'm going to invite you to stand together. It is a long passage this morning. 
we stand to honor the reading of God's holy and perfect Word. And I'm going to invite you to read with me. Now there was a rich man, and he habitually dressed in purple and fine linen, joyously living in splendor every day. And a poor man named Lazarus was laid at his gate and covered with sores, and longing to be fed with the crumbs which were falling from the rich man's table. Besides, even the dogs were coming and licking his sores. Now the poor man died and was carried away by angels to Abraham's bosom. And the rich man also died and was buried. In Hades he lifted up his eyes, being in torment, and saw Abraham far away and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried out and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus so that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool off my tongue, for I am in agony in this flame. But Abraham said, Child, remember that during your life you received your good things, and likewise Lazarus bad things. But now he is being comforted here, and you are in agony. And besides all of this, between us and you there is a great chasm fixed, so that those who wish to come over from here to you will not be able, and that none may cross over from there to us. And he said, Then I beg you, Father, that you send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, in order that he may warn them, so that they will not come to this place of torment. But Abraham said, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. But he said, No, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. But he said to him, If they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be persuaded, even if someone rises from the dead. May God bless the reading of His Word. Please be seated. If this is your last day, your last day, today, it is full of choices and opportunities. That is the case for each day that God grants you and me. There are a set amount of each one of them for each one of us that are in this room. You see, the rich man had choices and chances. He had choice and he had chance as well. Most of the time when we read this parable, we think of the heartless man who was so self-absorbed that he didn't care for anyone but himself. Others today state that he was evil simply because he was rich. Neither one of them is accurate. Neither view of this parable is real and accurate. He was uncaring. He was narcissistic. But his one condemning flaw was that he made no thought of tomorrow. He thought he had forever. He had infinite choices and gave himself no chance at eternity. Now I want you to compare him to this fellow named Lazarus. By the way, this Lazarus is not the same one that is raised from the dead in John chapter 11. They are two different. It is kind of like it's kind of like the name Sam, Samuel, okay? It was a common name. We got two Sams here in church today, okay? 
If I said Samuel, you would know I'm talking about the younger version. If I said Sam, you would know exactly who I'm talking about. Lazarus was a common name, and it was common enough that as the writer of Luke, as, as Luke writes this word, he would have known that this was a name of, of just a generic somebody. Not a particular person, but in anybody, in anybody you and me. Compare him to this Lazarus, who is simply struggling for right now, for today. To him, every day was a chance, not a choice, a chance. His choices were limited. Lazarus had no safety net, no one that would care for him, and the implication is that he had to trust God for everything. That's the implied part of the story that we have. The spiritual condition of both men is a mystery. It isn't even mentioned until their deaths. The outcome for both, however, is vastly different. So you've got to ask your question, when you hear this scripture, why is it so different? Is it because one had money and one didn't? I want to share with you that's a lie. There are people in this culture and in our world right now that believe if you have any type of affluence, if you are rich by the rest of the world's means, then you are a corrupt person and you are an in inherently evil. Let me share with you that the Bible does not talk about that. It mentions rich people plenty of times. And plenty of times as they are mentioned, they do both good or evil. They have a choice just like you and I do. Jesus was buried in the borrowed tomb of a rich man. That's where he was buried. He was rich enough that he already knew that he would have an eternity and that he would die someday. And he'd already had his tomb cut out of the limestone that was in Jerusalem. He was prepared for his eternity. Now being rich is not equivalent to being evil. The Bible talks about money as the second most frequently mentioned topic in the Word of God. Money. It's right behind eternity. Why? Because money can become a barrier between you and God. It can become that thing that you trust instead of trusting a God like Lazarus had to, to go ahead and find a place that he could eat to find a way to survive. If you read that, that story carefully, you find out that there were people that had to carry Lazarus to sit outside the rich man's door. And he literally is waiting to see. And by the way, in those days, they didn't have garbage collection. They didn't have uh, recycling necessarily. When you finished eating something, you had a window. You sat down by that window. And as you were sitting there by the window, when you finished the chicken, I don't know if they ate chicken, fried chicken. I hope they did. Fried chicken is a gift from God. Can I get an amen? It is. You eat that, he would eat that chicken bone and, and he would toss it out. And you know that even a person who loves chicken, there's a little bit somewhere left on that bone. You ever notice that? And Lazarus is out there going, man, I would pay, I would give anything if I could get over to get that. But before he can, something else usually got it. 
Here's the rich man who had a choice and a chance. And he took advantage of neither. When the outcome of both is so different, then you have to ask, what is it that caused that outcome to be different for both of them? You see, you have another choice this morning. And God has given you another chance. You have both choice and chance. Rich man had plenty of choices. He gave himself no chance. Lazarus had had chances, but very few choices. You have both this morning. Seated where you are in this auditorium, you have both the choice of Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and to grow in Him and the chance today to say to God and to all that are gathered, I have chosen Jesus Christ. I have made my commitment to Him. I want Christ to be Lord of my life. That's your chance and your choice. And they're melded into one. You have both. This morning you have the best of both the rich man as well as Lazarus. Choices and chances. For some of you, the choice is whether today will be the day that you give God a shot at you. And for others, it is another chance before eternity suddenly springs upon your life. Guys, you need to understand something. There are no do-overs in eternity. You know what a do-over is, right? We've talked about that before. A do-over. I can remember playing baseball. Um, and we would gather a group. Of, I'm, I'm right at the edge of that age group where baseball still was a really big, big sport. Now it's football and it's growing to be basketball. But baseball was important. If we could get enough guys around, we would go out and we would play baseball as little kids. And I can remember one little kid who, who was not a real good player. When we were choosing teams, he was kind of the last person ever chosen. Joseph Lycan was his name. And Joseph was not the most athletic kid. Matter of fact, he couldn't see real well, and he had these big, big, thick glasses on. And Joseph would stand there, and when you're standing ready to go ahead and hit a baseball, you kind of you get yourself loosened and ready, and you're, you've got your focus on the pitcher, and you're ready to go. And you have the back cocked, and your knees are slightly bent, so you can load into the ball, step and load into the swing. Here's what Joseph would do when he was up there. And he would watch the pitch go by. Now, the catcher of the team would, would also be umpire. So he would go, it's not a fair deal. That's just the way we play. And he would call balls and strikes. And the ball would go through there, and you'd hear strike. And the next ball would come through. And, and everybody that had Joseph on the team would like, hit the ball! You ever done that? Have you all you ever hit? You ever watched Aggie football games like yesterday, and you're yelling at the television, okay? Yeah? We're yelling at Joseph, hit the the ball and he's standing there just like that and strike three would go past him virtually every time and I can remember one day one of the guys he's probably a Baptist minister now he said we're going to give him a do over 
we're going to give him a do-over. Do-over meant he had three more strikes. You know what Joseph did with those three strikes? You know, he got his do-over. You know what he did? Stood there like this. Watched all through. And finally we got, okay, you had your do-over. You didn't do anything with your do-over. Guys, eternity has no do-overs. When you read this particular parable, when you hear it, here is the rich man, and he is in the actual Hebrew word there was talking about a trash pit that was outside of the walls of Jerusalem. It was in the valley of Gehenna, and it was a constantly burning trash pit. And he, he literally says he's in, we translated Hades, but that's the kind of burning, nasty slop that hell is. And here's the rich man in that. And guys, listen to me. One of the things this story tells me about eternity is if you're in hell, you know what's going on in heaven. That's part of it. It's not just physical torment. It's not 25 Christmas trees on fire and you're in the middle of it. It is something more and greater and, and deadlier to your soul than that. You know what's going on in heaven. You can see what's going on in heaven and you can't get there forever. And the rich man cried out and he says, Father Abraham, do something for me. And it's really interesting what he asks here. He asks that he's given relief. Did you catch that in the story? The rich man is in agony and can see paradise and eternity that he, met, he missed. Let me say it again. He can see it. He asks Lazarus to be the vessel of mercy. He asks Father Abraham if he would send Lazarus to be a vessel of mercy to him, to dip his finger in water for momentary relief. And the relief he never offered Lazarus in real life. I think it's also kind of telling here that the rich guy basically says, Lazarus was nobody in life. He's a nobody in eternity. He can be my servant and I'm the one in hell. There's an arrogance that goes along with people that believe that they've got it all over God. That somehow they will go ahead and make a nice arcing turn of their life at the last second so that they'll get to heaven and their clothes will smell like smoke. They'll get that close to going to hell, but they'll make it into heaven by the skin of their teeth. I'm going to share with you the one time as a pastor of 40 years that I've seen that work once. And it was here in Navasota. I was asked to go by the hospital room of a lady who is dying. She is within the last 24 hours of her life. She is conscious. She is absolutely scared to death. She knows what she has done in her life. She knows that there's no way that she could go back, Samuel. She can't go back and doesn't have the time to go back and say, I'm sorry to folks and make things right. She is stuck in a hospital bed and she can't even communicate except through her eyes and her head. Her family was over 
next to me. They'd called me and said, would you please come talk to our grandmother? And I went and talked with her. And I, I read Scripture to her. And I shared with her. And I said, are you ready for eternity? And guys, that's a yes or no question. And she couldn't say yes or no. But these huge tears start streaming down her face. She's scared to death. She's not scared of dying. She's scared of what's past dying. And I said, would you like to be forgiven of everything that is in your past? And she nodded her head once. I said, Jesus Christ died on a cross for you 2,000 years ago. When He hung up on the cross, He knew you he knew where you'd been. He knew what you had done. And He loved you anyway and wants you to be with Him in heaven. She couldn't pray a prayer of faith. I couldn't sit there and give her the four spiritual laws. We didn't have time. And I said, would you like to invite Him to forgive you and know that you are going to go to heaven? And she nodded once and closed her eyes. Guys, I'm going to share with you. One of the family members came up to me afterwards and said these words. How can it be that God can forgive somebody like her? She's been mean all of her life. We serve an amazing, grace-filled, loving God who gives you Jesus today for you to choose. Your chances today for you to choose. She had one choice and a last chance. And in 40 years of doing what I have done, that's the only time I've ever sinned. Guys, I share this with you because you don't have do-overs. Instead, I hope you caught what the story talked about eternity being. That hell, in fact, is real. It is hot. It is eternal. It is a misery that was set aside for no human being. It's not set aside for bad people. It was intended as the eternal home of the devil and his demons. Those that would not believe or trust that Almighty God was in charge of heaven and of earth that He created. You are not designed, listen to me, you are not designed for hell. You are not designed for hell. The rich man states he is willing to go back to life to warn his brothers. He says, send somebody back to tell them. Did you catch the next biblical truth that was there? It says, who would believe a dead man rising if they won't believe the Word of God? They're not going to believe Moses and the prophets. Why would they believe a person is it? It would just be one more thing that is like an ooh-ah moment. Hey, look, there's that guy was dead and now he's alive. Wow! Doesn't change their eternity at all. As a matter of fact, that's still true today. The dead man, Jesus, arose 
And there are still plenty of people that don't and won't believe in him to change their life. Are you one of them? Then this is your chance. And this is your choice. You see, the rich man even offers to tell his story to warn others. This seems to be to make sense to most folks who read and hear the parable that there should be a messenger who's sent. But you and I have that messenger here today. It's called the Holy Spirit. And He is speaking to you about your life right now, calling you to turn away from sin and trust that God loves you and Jesus died for you. Seeing another miracle would not move you any more than it would, it would the rich man's brother. It has to be God or nothing at all that will move you today off of the place where you are spiritually to where God wants you to be. I want you to make the most of today. I want you to treat today as if it is your last day. Look, I hope you live a long life. I, I tease Sam over here about being old, but he's not even the oldest person in our church. Did you know that? I'm going to tell you a secret, okay? And it was the last time I teased Sam about being the old guy in the church. And a lady came up back there, and Skip, she is your kinsman. And she came up and she said, I don't know why you keep telling about Sam being so old. He is an old, I'm older than him. And I'm proud of the fact that I'm older than him. God bless Ethel e. Hubble. She sat there and she said, I'm proud of being older than him. If I made it this long, I'm going to outlive Sam. You're in deep weeds, son. Two people, yeah. I, I mean, I, do you, Lloyd Poole, God bless him. What a full life. But guys, you may never make it to Sam's age. You have no promise of that. You aren't Sam. You don't even have the promise of tomorrow that we shared last week. So today you have a choice this morning. Jesus or an eternity separated from Him. You have one more chance to choose. And that time is right now. And just like that corny movie of Indiana Jones where the old guy says, He chose poorly. You can choose wisely and make your choice a God that loved you and died for you today. Pray with me.